Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Tom Meets Leather Podcast. We're back after a long hiatus. <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, two of our members won't be joining us. Artem and Tommy decided to have children, so I guess they can't do football anymore. Isn't that is that how that works, Andrew? Uh, you know, I haven't had kids yet, but I, I guess that's kind of how it how it goes. <laughs> you sound you sound kind of bummed out. I don't know. Now I'm worried. Um, but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for football to be back. I, I do think it brings kind of a, a, at least somewhat of a sense of normalcy, which I think a lot of a lot of people have been really hankering for, and, and really on some level want to try to try to get back to. You know. I mean, I can tell you what the one constant throughout all the years, Andrew, has been football. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But football, that has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Andrew. It reminds us of all that was once good and that could be again. People are going to watch, Andrew. People will most definitely watch. I'm pumped up for it. So... I did my quintessential uh, quoting of uh, Field of Dreams, uh, which I, I I was pretty I was pretty happy with it. I got to work on my drama, you know. I I got to make them. I minored in acting. Did you know that? I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, little known fact. But anyway, sorry. What were you gonna say? <laughs> Really? That's kind of sad. You know, I, I've seen bits and pieces and parts, you know, as it's on TV all the time, and it's it's around, but I only think I've ever sat down and watched the whole movie maybe once. To be fair, the back half of that movie is much better than the front end of that movie, so maybe that's just my take, but I think that uh, tends to be pretty accurate. So, I guess we're kind of... We're kind of getting together a little late. I mean, a little behind the scenes action. I know Andrew and Artem couldn't be here. Or sorry, Tommy and Artem couldn't be here. But I think that's also partially because I don't think any of us were really expecting there to be a season. I was kind of shocked. I mean, I kept holding out hope. But uh, the when they finally started playing games last Saturday, uh, I think Army versus Middle Tennessee was actually the first game, unless I forgot one. When they actually started playing games, I was kind of like caught off guard. I didn't even know that was a thing. And, you know, so was Navy. Well, and I think we'll see a lot more. Uh, we'll touch on the Navy game in a second, but I think we'll see. Do, do, do we have to touch on the Navy game? You can just talk about how Army kicked Middle Tennessee's ass all day if you want. That one was very that impressive. Was, that, was, that was good. That game made me feel a little bit better. And then I watched the, the Navy game on Monday and cried a little bit. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. That was kind of disappointed. Uh, but I I was, I think, kind of like we touched on, I think that a lot of teams are going to be caught up in uh, not having as much time to train and not having as much time to prepare this season because it's just not, it's just hard to get in the swing of things when you are basically told all year, we're not getting together. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And all of a sudden, you know, we're pushing all this. And I guess to date us, if anybody's curious, this is the kickoff of the 2020 season. So COVID has just been 
uh, crushing everything around us. But I'm I'm pleasant. I'm just kind of happy to have it. And hey, you know, for teams like Georgia Tech or Kansas, even you know, <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunities for upsets this year just from the lack of uh, training and preparation. Of course, that might also lead to more injuries. I'm not sure how you feel, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. there's a lot of talks about how they can drag it out and extend it but I mean the real problem with college is you can't put people in a bubble because it's a collegiate the sports is allegedly supposed to come second so you got to have the kids going to school and doing all that stuff and, um, well, like- I mean, the NFL certainly doesn't seem to think so. That uh, hasn't been what they've followed. I am curious to see, there have been discussions on sports radio around here about what they're going to do for the men's basketball season, uh, if they might put that in some kind of bubble or multiple bubbles in different you areas. The, you see where the ACC petitioned to have an NCAA tournament involving all 300 Michigan teams? I saw that, and <laughs> I... I'm intrigued, but I also think it's ridiculous. But I'm still intrigued. I'm like, if you can figure it out, I'll watch it. <laughs> you know, being the team that hasn't made the NCAA tournament in about, a, I think, a decade, technically, this year, I'm all for an expanded tournament. Let us in. Yeah. I actually, I was I was thinking about this. I've been watching a lot of esports because there's not much else to watch, also because I'm a nerd. But, uh... I have. But one of the commentators for, I believe it was StarCraft 2, was talking about how, like, you know, I'm familiar with being a fan of terrible teams. I know how it feels where I over glorify them and I make them out to be what they're not. 
and they consistently disappoint me every year. And I'm like, damn, man. Hits me right in the heart. Oh, that's how I feel. That's pretty much every team that I hear for. It's just incredibly disappointing in every sense of the word. So I guess for a recap, because we haven't done anything in the offseason, let's go – I guess let's just give a quick overview of kind of how things built up to where they are now and how the season's going to start up, not necessarily play out, but how the schedule is going to be impacted by the COVID situation. So as Andrew touched on, um, the big obvious ones that are out are the Big Ten, which is most of the northern schools, and the Pac-12, which is the West Coast schools, have both agreed uh, that they are canceling the season. Um, where, meanwhile, the Big 12, which is most of the Texas Midwest schools, the SEC, which is Southeastern Conference, and the ACC, which is uh, North Carolina through Florida, pretty much. Um, well, technically. Um, does anyone really care about Boston? I guess, is Syracuse farther up than Boston? Oh, no, Boston's farther. God, I get confused by that. Yeah, Boston's Boston. You know, talking about like fucking travel, Georgia Tech has to go to Syracuse, to Boston College, and to Miami, which are like the far-flung reaches of the conference. Okay, okay. Give us a second, though. You guys stay on topic. All right, so ACC, Southeastern, and Big 12. Those are the schools that are deciding to play. And I think... I don't know what the exact reason is, but I'm guessing money plays a big factor. Do you have any insight on that as far as why they those three conferences decided to keep going? certainly think so to most of the fans down there. I mean, that was the big argument in Alabama for why people should wear a mask was to bring, to make sure football stays on. And Brian, Brian Kemp in Georgia did that as well. Yeah. I mean, they, they made it a political argument to that, you know, college football is so important. We're going to use it to lobby for other issues, which I guess we can get also into some of the, uh, pol- I mean, is it- I think that was the case, and I'm kind of curious to see. You know, I wanted to save this as a separate from the COVID conversation, but since we're kind of breaking into it, you know, uh, Saban led that walk across the campus for, you know, Black Lives Matter, and now he's getting a whole lot of flack from different parts of the state. But I'm wondering, 
if that could make an impact on the way, you know, some people in the state, i.e. racists, uh, perceive things, which I mean, sad to say, but that Alabama is one of the farthest back countries. They're not Mississippi, but they're pretty far back. So, you know. I mean, there's always more stuff that you can read into it uh, for certain. I think it's just getting back to the key initial point we talked about. I think it is, it's an important thing. And I, I get upset when the people in general say this, where it's like, why are people lobbying sports? I'm like, cause that's whether you want to believe it or not, that's how a lot of changes get made is by lobbying sports, you know? People take notice because it's the. It's been really, it's been really weird because you know I watch a lot of European soccer and they don't do national anthems at all before European club games, and it's kind of showed me like how much of an outlier we are in this country where we play the national anthem before every sporting event. Yeah, I mean, well, no other country. I don't. Well, I can't speak for all the other countries, but I would say most of the big countries don't do that. We are one of the few, if only, countries that does the national anthem before a game starts, which I think was started actually back in the 50s, probably as part of the... I got to look into the whole history of it again. But I read an article saying that it was part of the anti-communist movement back in the 50s, but I, I don't really have any evidence of that one way or the other. Every sense of the word. Um, But it is just kind of weird because, you know, I'm so used to watching European soccer when they don't do national anthems. And, uh, you know, I guess with football, I kind of get it because to grossly overgeneralize, most American football players are from the United States. But it's even, it's really weird in a sport like hockey or, or like the MLS where so much of that is, is foreign players. Yeah, I don't, you know, and I'm not... Baseball. I mean, even Major League Baseball, where you've got so many Caribbean and, and Central American players. Well, and I'm not one to, you know, take up stands about that. I'm just, again, staying on our initial point, I think it's... Sports is a good way to motivate change. I mean, 
even if you go back to the national anthem, if it was as it was described in the article, that the national anthem was put in our sports to motivate us against communism. I mean, look at how that stuck around for years and years and it's kind of changed public perception on things. I mean, sports, because everybody pays attention to it, whether, you know, people agree with that or not. I mean, sports is a big, it's kin, it's kinder for change. It, you know, people pay attention when stuff happens in sports. So it does just upset me when you've got people, I've got people at work, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, who get upset like, oh, why are all the black players in basketball, you know, kneeling and doing all this other stuff? And I'm like, because people pay attention, man. It's their right to do what they want to do. I'm yeah. not, not going to speak to the politics of it itself, but I think if that's something they want to improve and that's something they want to have a voice in, they're doing, they're making strides in the most effective way they can by using the platform that they're given. And I think, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting and it'll be interesting, especially this year where literally everyone's eyes are going to be on the sports to see how, or if change is actually impacted by sporting events this year, uh, given the number of vocal outcries and, you know, uh, general intrigue that's going on in the world right now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're not really a political... We're, we're not really a political podcast. We're just a college football podcast. I'm just saying, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think from college football, the biggest change isn't even really tied to any of these other politics. I think the key, and I'm, again, I'm not going to get into a diatribe about this because it'll probably be a discussion we have down the line, but I think the key discussion, if it happens, isn't going to be about COVID or any of the other issues going on. It's going to be about the students getting paid issue, which, you know, uh, is could become a big discussion if players start getting sick and if other issues start popping up because there's no bubble and there's no other things set in place. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting, you know, as always, sports reflects real life. And I think there's a lot of interesting things going on in real life. But uh, I know that's not what you're here for, Andrew. Uh, if you got anything else to say, say it. Otherwise, I'll let you get on to uh, what your thoughts are on the uh, actual ACC and SEC schedule uh, this year. We never actually got, we never actually got onto that. So. Yeah, well, and so like, I keep looking for a Big Twelve schedule, and I can't find one. They don't actually. So technically, they start this week, but I don't think they actually start back until around the same time the SEC starts back. I know SMU and TCU were supposed to play this week, but that got canceled. Um, and I think Texas is playing UTEP. That's probably the only other big name game. Yeah, I mean, it looks like there's supposed to be some games this weekend. But, like, then I'm trying to go figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it's just like,
I mean, up until that point, there are games, but they're all there's nothing intriguing about them. They're all against who cares and nobody state. I think the biggest one might be who Oklahoma's playing, and even they're playing. I don't even remember now. Anyway, yeah. So, I mean, again, there's some games that could be intriguing, but uh, nothing too serious. I am curious. BYU is playing Army next week, so that'll be interesting <laughs> to see how to see if Ar- it's just a one-time thing or if Army can like shut them down is just that much better than Navy. Uh, but yeah, I think. But I think the ACC, uh, through whatever methodology, has managed to get started back. The SEC, I think, is waiting for a more transition time for more kids to kind of travel around and kind of get adjusted. So they're actually starting back two weeks from now. But the ACC and technically the Big 12 are starting play this weekend. And so it'll be interesting to see how things progress and if we have any sicknesses or injuries. I think for the most part, though, um, this is there's uh, nothing too crazy going on in the first few weeks. The ACC has the only real games coming up, and I guess that might be because of their schedule shift. They really don't want to play outside the conference games. But, uh, I mean, those are the major impacts to the schedule. I think overall, I think overall it was a smart decision. Sorry. Oh, yeah, and – if you want to talk about the Notre Dame situation, you can go into that. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that's the biggest change in the ACC, obviously, is the schedule shift. You know, you had a lot of a lot of teams that already, you already knew your schedule, and that changed. And, and some teams left out, you know, Georgia Tech went from one of the hardest schedules in the country to losing Virginia and Virginia Tech, we think are going to be pretty good. You know, you still got Clemson, you still got Florida State, you still got Notre Dame. You lose North Carolina, we think it's going to be you lose Georgia, I guess. Although I guess you, know, you, lose, you lose Georgia, which I think that's the, the interesting thing to me is the ACC released it all first and said, you know, we're going to do this ten conference games plus one non-conference, but your non-conference has to be played in your own state. So the ACC absolutely set it up to say, all right, SEC, we're willing to play Tech, Georgia, Florida, Florida State, Louisville, Kentucky, South Carolina, Clemson. We're willing to play. We've allowed the exceptions. Let's do it. And they kind of put the ball in the SEC's court, and the SEC said, no, we're going to go conference only. So I think they kind of gave the ACC a little bit of like, oh, you know, I'm going to puff my chest out. You know, we didn't cancel these series. The SEC canceled these series. Well, that's a cute little – I think it's a cute little move. I think it's – I think it was a smart move by the ACC too because, like you said, it it also allows them to work in Notre Dame as a big feature – without really losing anything too significant down the line. So essentially they can test it out this season, and if it works, then in the future you've still got room to get in those other SEC schedules, but now you've got a setup that you can follow in the future that also allows Notre Dame to be a feature team in your conference, which is really something that the ACC was looking for. They've been looking for another feature team for a – while I would say, because nobody else has stand, stood out other than maybe Clemson. I want to well, think. I, I think with um, Florida or with uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten canceling their schedules, I mean that takes a lot of things outside of the ACC teams away. Like it takes USC and Stanford off, and it takes Michigan, Michigan. 
So we'll see if it carries over to next year, but I am kind of, I'm hopeful because I think this could be a beneficial year, especially for the ACC also having those two, that two week period where for all intents and purposes, no one else is playing. I think this could be kind of a, the next few weeks could be a big statement for the SEC or the ACC and it could, or it could just be pure disappointment. I mean, the only real games this week are Clemson Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Duke, Notre Dame, and Syracuse, North Carolina. And some of those are not even great games. I think they'll be better than most people think. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I think, I think you get Virginia, Virginia Tech Week 2, which is a huge robbery of Week 2. I think you get Louisville-Miami, which, you know, everyone expects Miami to be good every year, and they fall on their face. And then Scott Satterfield and Louisville really turned a lot of heads last year and they've got a lot of returning production on offense and have a chance to be pretty good. Like to me that's kind of your week two premier game is, is Miami at Louisville. Um, week one doesn't I mean even even Clemson Florida State or Clemson Wake Forest, they expect Clemson to be their normal Clemson and Wake's replacing a quarterback. I saw somewhere they've had a bunch of players opt out, so Wake's already gonna be a little undermanned. I mean the cool part is you know game day is going to Winston Salem for the first time I think ever, which is really kind of neat. But uh, I mean the ACC doesn't really get you get Miami, Florida State week three, uh, Louisville, Pitt week three, which is kind of an interesting game. Um, but I mean there's just not a lot of until you get to say you know you get Clemson, Notre Dame uh, first weekend in November, and, and that's really you know, Clemson, Miami, October, maybe a game to look at, but, uh, you know, North Carolina lucked out in terms of, like, winning the schedule lottery because they don't get Clemson. They do get Notre Dame and Florida State. They do get Virginia Tech, but, you know, they miss kind of the big boy on the, on the bluff. Right. Well, I think they – aren't they planning a playoff for the top two teams anyway? So, they yeah, might – so the, they the might – So, I mean, they could theoretically end up playing Clemson anyway if they get that far. We'll see. We'll have to see what happens. I think the expectation is for it to be Notre Dame Clemson, though. So. It could be them. Again, I mean, I, mean, I think if, you, if those are your top two, I think your next level is, is really kind of North Carolina. Uh, Miami, maybe. I mean, I, I really loved their offensive coordinator hire um, in Red Lashley they brought over from SMU, who's a guy who spent a lot of time at Auburn. Um, on top of that, they, they brought in Derek King, the quarterback from Houston, who's a really good athletic quarterback, and I think he's a great fit for that Auburn-style offense. So that'll be a really fascinating thing to see is, is how that Miami offense is able to do without a full spring, without you know normally what you have going into that. So that'll be a really fascinating part of it. Because, you know, Miami's got talent defensively. Well, I mean, I mean Miami's, Miami's always got talent. And you I mean, they're they're a team that everyone they play on the schedule, not Nate Clemson, they're probably going to be more talented than. Well, and Florida State's also got some new hires down there. I think uh, the new head coach uh, is Mike that right? Norville. Mike Norvell. Yeah, I, I think Norvell's a good hire from Houston. Or not from Houston, from Memphis. He's a weird one because you kept hearing his name for a lot of SEC jobs, and then all of a sudden you hear that there was something in a background check or some kind of weird something that like kept him from getting the Tennessee job 
when they hired Pruitt, they kept him from getting the whole Miss job when they hired Matt, uh, Matt Luke. Like, you kept wondering, like, what did this guy do? And you never could find anything beyond, like, message board rumors that he did anything wrong anywhere. Well, sir, I, yeah, I don't know. I, clearly, FSU is not really that worried about it, I guess. <laughs> so I'm cu- I'll be curious to see how that plays out. But and then you've also got I mean we're getting away from AACC now, but I mean the SEC. Uh, I totally even forgot this happened. Lane Kiffin coaching at Ole Miss. I I blanked. Uh, I've t- uh, and uh, your Mississippi State coach is Mike Leach. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that too. Oh my gosh. So- That's gonna be crazy, but yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to think of that. That'll be a interesting. Uh, there's a lot of stories that we've just straight up forgotten about because it's been so long to talk about. Um, yeah, I think that covers most of the intrigue, though. I mean, getting back to our fandom, I think Georgia Tech has technically selected their quarterback, but they're not announcing it, which probably for the best. I mean, I guess. Florida State is kind of the same problem I've had with them a few years is like every time you have an expectation of Florida State they somehow fall short of it I can say the same thing about Georgia Tech though so it's this is going to be the type of college football game I like to watch just because it's pure chaos uh, this weekend where it's just like who the hell knows what's going to happen because Florida State's been all over the place they've got a new coach they're talented but other than that, they've lost so many games that they should have won easily that it's just kind of like a mess. And then Georgia Tech is just outright terrible. So, you know, and they have, you know, who the hell knows? Anything could happen. It's ridiculous. Yeah, even above. Yeah, uh, even above. Um, and then Wake Forest, Clemson. Uh, I, I have a, expectations for Wake Forest, but, I mean, realistically, Clemson's going to run away with it. Yeah. Well, I think. 
think re- I think low key the biggest game of the weekend is probably going to be Duke and Notre Dame because I think Duke is a better team than a lot of people realize. I mean, I know they've lost a lot of players, but they have been a pretty consistently talented team, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball um, the past few years. And I mean, other than the fact that they're facing Notre Dame, who should be above them in talent, I mean, I don't see any reason why they can't hang in there and make it a close game. I still expect Notre Dame to win, but that would probably be the most intriguing matchup of the weekend in my mind. <laughs> Always starts that way, huh? Yeah. I'm also kind of torn up because I really would have loved to watch uh, SMU at TCU uh, this weekend, but uh, that's not happening, so I'm kind of sad about that. I watched, I watched a lot of SMU games last year because I wanted to watch, you know, Red Lash is kind of my offensive coordinator man crush. Gotcha. Is did they actually get rid of it, or are they still holding on? why they're considering just straight up getting rid of the program they're just not making a profit off of it anymore so it's hard to say i don't know um but yeah i mean certainly a bunch of interest i i don't know i'll be curious to see hopefully after week two or i guess week three depending on your perspective that things start to get more in depth i i want to say there's a bunch of interesting games this week but it's more like there's just i want to see how chaotic things get um, because, like I said, I, I just don't think there's been a lot of training or anything developed, and I think they're going to see a lot of struggles for all teams out there to start off the season. Uh, clearly, Miami's having some struggles of their own right now. So, well, yeah. I don't know. Do you're, so, I tell you, you don't have high hopes for the Georgia Tech season this year, then. Syracuse is a very good 
projecting what three so i mean uh, to replicate last year so i mean i would take five five would be fine by me uh but we'll see I don't know. I think most people are just writing off this year in general. I don't know that anybody's going to be worried about the actual record this year. I think if he wins more than three games, I think, you know, people will view it as a pretty successful year. I think if he wins three, they're just going to be like, well, you know, nobody was expecting anything out of us anyway. And this is just a weird year in general. I think it's just that they want to – tech fans just want to find something to hold on to to gripe about. I think that's the key thing, right? It's, I think 100% true. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, that uh, tends to follow. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think uh, the rest of it, it's kind of too early to tell. I think the SEC is kind of wide open. The Big 12 is probably going to be another you know oklahoma texas year kind of thing texas actually must be feeling pretty upset because i feel like they had a pretty good uh setup from last year to maybe do better and now that it's just been weird i think they're probably going to be a little on edge about everything just say that's a disappointment that's like the big thing for me we won't get iowa v iowa state this year that's terrible <laughs> anyway um but yeah i mean i think for the most part we're kind of in the same boat with most of these projections uh but it'll so we'll have to wait a few games to see how things actually play out i don't have any high expectations for any team in the acc other than uh clemson even Notre Dame, I'm kind of like, why are you ranked so high right now? It doesn't make any sense, other than the fact that you've got Notre Dame on your jersey. Um, 
Alabama and LSU, obviously, the standouts in the SEC. Georgia's there, too. So it, it'll be really interesting. I, I think LSU, you know, I mean, once LSU rebuilds them, they win nine or ten games. You know, they're at Florida, which is tough. They get Alabama, which is tough. They're at Texas A&M, which I think Texas A&M's a team, to me, that's got a really good chance. I think I said this last year. They were a young team last year. I think a lot of that talent's matured a year. Uh, and so I think this year is a good chance for them. Especially with their crossovers. They get Florida, which is going to be tough, but they go South Carolina, Tennessee, which are definitely winnable games. Uh, they have to go to Alabama, to Auburn, which I think are tough places to play. But I think if we had to look at like an outside-of-the-box dark horse, I think it's Texas A&M. I mean, and, uh, I, I'm also kind of hopeful. I want to see what happens in the East this year. Tennessee's got the highest ranking they've had in a long time, and especially after last year where they started out with Losses to Georgia State and BYU. Uh, we'll see. I, I kind of curious to see if they can turn that program around and kind of get that up and running. And I'm I'm hopeful for South Carolina and Florida as well. Although, uh, as always, I think Georgia is probably going to be the standout in that division. So I don't know. Um, I. For like trans, yeah. For like transferring and then being like, oh well, actually, I'm just gonna sit out, like whatever. Um, Florida lucks out; they don't get Alabama. Um, Now, now, does Georgia get Alabama? I I thought that Uh, I thought that happened this year. Is Georgia gonna? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they had a pretty good year last year, so I kind of expect them to be garbage this year, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. <laughs> you know, I, I like Monix, the, the quarterback. Um, they're on, like, their fifth offensive coordinator in five years, but given that Mount's on, basically their offensive coordinator, that's not as big of a deal. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt's not going to be very good. I don't think we think South Carolina, Missouri, or Kentucky are going to be very good. I will say, and this is kind of, we're getting off the SEC topic again, but uh, the ACC, because of how they set up the schedule this year, without having the Coastal kind of stuck in the cycle of suck, as it were, I'll be very curious if, like, we have a race between Clemson and then, like, Virginia. No, well, not Virginia, because Virginia probably lost a lot of talent. But maybe, like, Virginia Tech and UNC and Duke up at the top. That would be interesting to see. I could see. I mean, UNC, I especially could see with Sam Howell and 
Josh Allen offensively. Coming back with, with him and De'Ami Brown and Dan Pisa and Michael Carter. I mean, they're, they're loaded on offense in Chapel Hill. Um, so that'll be an interesting, an interesting kind of what happens there. Um, Virginia Tech's supposed to be pretty good. Uh, Hendon Hooker is the starting quarterback that has signed on many a year. I don't know anything about him. Um, I know that Fuente uh, is not recruited well the past couple of years, so I don't, I don't know that you're going to see an impact of that yet. But, I mean, I don't like Virginia Tech very much, so if they're bad, I'll be happy. But, yeah, I mean, I think those – North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and probably Miami, uh, to me, are your, your three former Coastal Division teams to really pay attention to. Although Miami is currently losing to uh... no, they tied. Okay, well, never mind. They're, they're, they're tied back up. I'm trying to watch the touchdown. All right. I didn't see the touchdown, but I'm trying to. But YouTube TV has like a really horrid rewind feature. Oh, okay. Alright, well, I think, but uh, with that said, I think that kind of wraps us up for this week until we actually get some games played. I don't think there's much else to touch on. Do you have any other additional comments to add in other than just being happy that football's back? Um, for people that are weirdo football junkies like me, um, Friday night on ESPNU is a really good high school game. Um, Prince Avenue Christian, which is a private school outside of Athens, is playing at Raven County, which is a mountain county up in like far north Georgia. Um, the game matters because the quarterback at Prince Avenue is Brock Vandergrift, who's a five-star dual threat committed to Georgia for 2021. And the quarterback at Raven County is Gunnar Stockton, who is a 2022 five-star dual threat committed to South Carolina. You want to see some really good high school quarterbacks uh, Friday night on ESPNU is a game to watch. That's actually kind of interesting. Are do they have like a favorite going into that? As people want to, uh, I think I think Raven. Uh, I think Raven's the favorite. Uh, Raven's head coach is Jabo Shaw, who was a Georgia Tech Georgia Southern quarterback years and years ago. Hmm. All right. Well, so, have to check that out. There's not much else on the docket on Friday. No. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll move it now that uh, the game got uh, – well, they got Chala to Chala in the uh, stands up there for Miami. Anyway, but, yeah, maybe they'll move it now that uh, the other game, the SMU and TCU game, got canceled. Maybe. All right. Well, if that's all, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks, as always, Andrew, for being here, and thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Uh Uh, Until next time, stay safe and healthy. Good night, everybody.